20 seconds, can we offer God praise? Come on, 20 seconds, 20 seconds. If your heart sings with mine, there's no other name than Jesus. If he's been good to you, if you know that it's because of him and him alone, by his grace, by his mercy, that he is the sustainer of all things good in your life. Let me pray for you before you see. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would equip and empower us with everything necessary to follow you and to be obedient to that which you've assigned us to do. God, help us to realize it is because of you. It is because of your grace. It is because what you have accomplished on the cross that we're able to come here freely to celebrate you, to corporately worship you here together. Father, help us today be mindful. Remember those who are grieving of the tragedy in um, Virginia Beach. Let us pray for the families in that community that was affected for the first responders who had to go there and do work. Father, also help us to just remember the perpetrator's family as well and teach us how to pray for them also. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. What's up, Green Tree? My name is Boone. What's up? I'm excited. I'm really excited and thankful uh, for an opportunity to be here. Wow, they put a whole hour up there. I know that's wrong. I guess they said in the earlier service, you know, I was a little alone, so they gave me extra time. I hope they correct that, or y'all will be sitting here an hour. <laughs> I want to thank Tom and the leaders of this great church for this opportunity for me to be here and to uh, preach and to be a part of this family and be a part of this community. I also want to add to uh, the because of you segment, because of you also, Green Tree, God is doing a miracle in motion where we will be together planting a church, a, 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 a multicultural church in Ferguson, Missouri. And it's because of you, because of your, your, your faithfulness and because of your, your giving and because of your sacrifices and because of this, the leadership of this great church, we're going to do something absolutely amazing to the glory and for the glory of God. Let us give God a hand praise for that. My beautiful wife, Tequila, is in the building. She wasn't here for the 8 o'clock service. Can you stand and sh so I can show off a little bit? <laughs> Woo! Y'all ain't even got to tell me. She hot. <laughs> Thank you. She's given me 18 years. I've been faithfully married to her for 18 years. Can you say the same? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 18 years of marriage. She's given me some of her 20s, all of her 30s, and now we're into the 40s. So thank God for you for so your support and your commitment. It's hard to be the wife of a church planter. It's hard to be the wife of a uh, pastor. It's hard to be the wife of boom. Amen. And women are probably saying it's just hard to be a wife. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about how Jesus fixes everything. Jesus fixes everything. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23 is where we're going to be going. And as you're finding your way to this passage, I want you to consider this question. What comes to your mind when you hear the word reconciliation? Is your reaction positive, negative, or is it just simply indifferent? Now let's add to our question. What comes to your mind when you hear the words reconciliation and all things? Again, what emotions stir within your heart? What images 
flash across the screen of your imagination. As we read this passage, the Apostle Paul is going to do just that. He's going to put these two ideas together, reconciliation and all things. Together, let us check out and see exactly what Paul is up to here. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Heavenly Father, help us open our hearts, ears, and our minds to hear and see whatever and exactly it is that you want to say to us this morning. Father, may we be, receive your words with thanksgiving, God, and may it be useful for our everyday lives that we may pr produce fruit for your kingdom. Father, bless us and keep us this morning for the remainder of our worship experience together. In Jesus' name, we pray. I come from a rather big family. As a matter of fact, uh, my mom, I grew up with eight kids uh, on my mom's side. I'm from a bit blended family, and I'm the youngest of eight. There was four boys and four girls. There's only six people in that photo. Uh, one has, uh, is deceased, uh, my oldest sister, and uh, one of my older brothers is uh, still incarcerated. And I grew up uh, as the youngest. You can't really tell from that picture, but I'm, I'm also, you know, not only the youngest in my family, but I'm also uh, the smallest male in, in, our, in my family as well. And that's probably why I just go by the name Boone, because probably by the time it got down to me, I didn't, you know, have, they didn't want to use the first name. I didn't have the right to be called a first name. I was the littlest and the youngest one in the family. But being a part of a, a big family had great benefits, especially where I grew up in a tough neighborhood. One of the benefits of growing up in a big family, the youngest of eight and the, uh, the, the youngest of, with three older brothers, I kind of had some Safeway passages made through the neighborhood, through the hood, prior to me growing up. Another great benefit for being in a big family is our holidays were absolutely magnificent. There was multiple generations. There was great food. There was good fellowship. There was fun. As a matter of fact, my family has the absolute best soul food you will ever eat. <laughs> Guaranteed, hands down. My family's dressing recipe is the best in the United States of America. <laughs> Now, you may not know exactly what dressing is. Some in the room may call it stuffing. I want to warn you, my brothers and sisters, if you're inviting me or people that look like me to your house and you want to be culturally sensitive, don't serve stuffing and calling it dressing. 
Can I get an amen in here? <laughs> but also being a part of a big family presents its challenges, especially when there's a break in one or more of the relationships. Things can get really hostile really quickly. Those breaks in family relationships can begin to show themselves in ugly and very divisive ways. Sometimes, most of the times, when you have those breaks in your family relationships, most of the times, God is the only one who can reconcile those relationships back uh, together. Anybody ever have any family drama in the room? Anybody ever have Anybody ever have some issues around the holidays? Amen. Okay, I'm glad I'm, 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 in, I'm in the right place. But Paul here is encouraging these believers that would have found it difficult to follow Jesus. Some may have not felt welcome inside of the community of faith or outside of the community of faith. But Paul's reminder is that Jesus is the solution and that he reconciles all things, including, but not limited to, but including our relationships. If I'm honest, I would have to admit, just like some of the people who would have been listening to Paul as he wrote uh, this letter to this particular church plan, I have to admit, if I'm honest, I too struggle following Jesus in every area of my life. Some areas I'm better than others, but I too struggle. If you're honest, you too struggle to follow Jesus in certain areas of your life. We can all say this. We struggle following Jesus, if we're honest, in every areas of our life. See, this would have been very difficult for some of the Jewish believers to, to hear that they was to, uh, to fully accept Jesus as a way to get back into right relationship with God or to be in better relationships with others. They would have wanted to see the law and tradition would have been the natural way they would have thought to, to, to be the way to get back in the right relationship with, with God, and they would have relied on the law to maintain healthy relationships with others. There was others in that group that weren't Jewish. Others in that group, they were more like us. They would have also had a hard time believing and accepting Jesus as the way to be in right relationship with God and into better relationships with others. They would have wanted to rely on other mechanisms, their education, uh, their experience, um, their, their, their traditions, uh, their culture. You know, we, we would have wanted to... Uh, this. We would have wanted to rely on what we call exceptional, what they will be Western exceptionalism. Is that, is that a term? Yeah. yeah. We okay? Okay. Our sermon in sentence today is because there's some good news for all of us who struggle following Jesus, but the sermon in sentence today is we should follow Jesus in every area of our lives because Jesus fixes everything. But how do we know if we can really trust Jesus? That's a fair question. I want to suggest to you that the, that, the, that the text suggests that Jesus is 
the solution. As a matter of fact, if you look with me real quickly in verse 20, Paul teaches this community that Jesus reconciles all things by the shedding of his blood on his cross. Sometimes we hear the word reconciliation and we ask ourselves, were we ever really together? That's a fair question to ask. Likewise, many will hear reconciliation and automatically they're going to feel excluded. Just think about with me, to just think with me, just, just think for a moment about how the gay person feels. The same, the same sex attracted person feels. How the ethnic minority feels. How women who sometimes feel powerless or voiceless how they feel. Everyone does not think, may come as a surprise to you or some, but everyone does not think that God ever really intended for them to be at the table. And it's unfortunate, if we're honest, the church historically has not done a very good job with public relations. Amen? If I'm honest, I have not always done a very good job as a follower of Christ with public relations relations. And if you're a follower of Christ today in the room, if you're not a follower, this doesn't apply, but if you're a follower of Christ in the room and you would be honest, maybe you too have done a terrible job sometimes as well. Therefore, when some people, when some of us see this in the Bible, reconciliation and all things, we cannot automatically see this applying to us. Some African-Americans feel like Christianity isn't even for African-American people. There was a time when I had similar thoughts and feelings. With all the talk in the country that we're hearing, make America great again. I sometimes wonder if it was ever really great. If so, for who? Again, make America great again? How far do we want to go back? We want to go back for my parents? Mom grew up in Jim Crow South. Didn't have access to Voted. Her dad, my grandfather, you want to go far, you want to go that far back? Never had a right to vote. Make America great again. And I'm not making an accusation. So brothers and sisters don't hear that. I'm not saying for those in the room who believe and support Make America great again, who have the bumper stickers on your cars and who wear the hats proudly. I'm not a saying that you automatically mean make America great again strips me from rights. I'm not saying that. Don't hear me saying that. But what I am, I am asking you to do, my brothers and sisters, I'm asking you to consider for a moment how we feel when we hear it and how we feel when we see it. Just consider that.
Amazingly, in this country, we, we, we are in this place, in this position where to affirm anything about a person is, is assumed that we affirm everything about a person. And I'm not saying that today. Just asking you to consider how we feel and asking you to my white brothers and sisters, would you pray for us as we try to navigate? As other than white followers of Jesus, how we try to navigate in our communities, in our culture well. But notice here, the Apostle Paul, he is reminded that Jesus is reconciling all things. He isn't only speaking to those who meet some specific predetermined human criteria. He is talking to a diverse group of people. Attending this newly planted church would have been conservative folk, religious folk, liberal folk. It would have been skeptics. It would have been ethnically, ethnically diverse. It would have been men, women, children. And Paul wasn't speaking from a political or a social slant. That's not what Paul was doing in, in this text. He was merely trying to help that church celebrate the fact that, keeping in mind that diverse group, right, who didn't always live together and work together and get along well together, he was helping them celebrate the fact that Jesus is the solution for everybody. Ooh, I didn't get that in the early service. <laughs> I might get to preach again now. <laughs> this Jesus gives us the solution to our divisions. Divisions from God and divisions from each other. I can remember being a young believer, newly, a new believer years ago. It was a very important time in my family. Um, I refer to the guys I gangbang with as my brothers and my sisters then and now. But there was a very, very, very uh, uh, um, complicated trial that had took place. One of my brothers had killed another one of my brothers over a dispute, and we were just coming to the conclusion of this trial. I was a, a believer. No one else in my, my uh, none of my other brothers that I banged with were. And I was coming home from work after the trial. I went to work. I was on my way to home from work, and I turned to quarter, and I noticed in front of my in front of my crib, everybody' car was there, right at my house. I, I was I was roommating with a cousin of mine who at that time hadn't surrendered his life to to Jesus. And I pulled up, and I seen everybody at, at my crib, and I get excited, excited, right? And I go into the house, and the music is bumping, and they, they're they're drinking, and there's some strange smells going on in the house. I'm gonna let you use your imagination for that. And as I come into the house as a new believer, to my house as a new believer, everybody there. Everybody that I banged with, everybody that I hung with, those who I who, who, who I had put my life on the line for, and those who had put their life on the line for, for for me. And then all of a sudden, when I came in, just like that, music stopped. Everything came to an awkwardly screeching halt, and everybody left. Just like that. As soon as I came home from work, everybody left, and I'm walking out onto the porch like whoa. And everybody get in their car and they go off to my sister's house to the next destination. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't. 
I didn't feel like in that moment following Jesus was worth it. Is it really worth it to follow this Jesus? It's going to cost me all of this. I'm not one that normally cries, but that day I did. I began to doubt whether or not I can do this. I also had this dilemma. A new believer. Too hood for the church. But I was no longer hood enough for the hood. Following Jesus left me feeling alone and abandoned. Have you ever felt that way? Since you've been following Jesus? Thankfully, my story didn't end there. I'm still experiencing Jesus as a solution, and I'm following him as he restores continually every area of my life. And Paul wants to encourage this church plant. When he was writing this, he wants to point to this church plant from these types of anxious thoughts and feelings. Despite their past experiences, despite their problems, he wants them to know that Jesus reconciles all things. And they should follow Jesus in every area of their life. Just like this community here, we can find it to be most challenging to follow Jesus into difficult situations and complicated relationships. You may not feel connected to those in your family. You may not feel connected to those in your marriage. You may not feel connected to those in your church or your community. And you may, or you may just simply not be aware that there is a need for any reconciliation to take place in your life. You may not feel that you and God are at odds. You may feel like you are right. But I want to, to let you know today that Jesus is the solution. And no matter what our past experiences are and how bad we have messed up, Jesus wants to reconcile us to himself. And then he wants to reconcile us to one another. And why, is he does, why did he do this? Simply because Jesus loves us. We can experience healthier relationships as we follow Jesus in every of our lives because Jesus alone is the real lasting solution for all of us. Again, how do we know if we can really trust Jesus? I just told you Jesus is the solution, but I also want to suggest to you that Jesus, I also want to show you how the text suggests to you that Jesus gives us second chances. In verses 21 and 22, Paul teaches this community that they were once alienated and hostile in their mind doing evil deeds and that now they have been reconciled by his body and his flesh. Now, I know this could be very difficult for us to hear those type of words. I've been actually following Jesus um, for the last 20 years of my life, a little bit over the last 20 years of my life. And this still, for me, is kind of hard to hear. This thing, when we hear that we, we are or we were alienated, Hostile, mine, doing evil deeds. That can only cement the way we feel about Christians. For those who don't follow Jesus, that can only cement the way we feel about the church. For those who don't follow Jesus, that can only cement the way those who don't follow Jesus experience the God of the Bible. If we're going to be honest, that sounds like something that those judgmental folk would say. And when we hear hostile, alienated, and evil, we don't even apply that to ourselves for those of us who are following Jesus. We think that is for those people. That don't apply to us. That's those people. That's those immoral liberals. Or 
depending on your context, that's those hypocritical conservatives. That's those who are in favor of abortion. Those people, the murderers, the terrorists, those people, those black people, those white people, those Christian people, those not, it's always those people. But I want to suggest to you that when Paul was writing this letter, he, those people was us. Apart from Christ, we are those people. I thought I was going to get an amen there. I want you, real quickly, there's a story about this young guy um, um, who, who came to his dad. Um, there's, a story, he's got, there's a story in the Bible. This young guy comes to his dad, and he's, he's demanding his, his cut of the family's trust. He wants to cash out the stocks, and, and he wants to get everything that the family has for him now. He doesn't want to wait for his father to pass away, to go through the proper channels and procedures. He goes to his dad, and he's demanding, Dad, give me my cut now. I want my chop. I want my money, and I'm up. I want to leave. I can't wait on you. You guys are old. You're doing it the old way, the traditional way. That's, that's for y'all. That's not for us. We're progressive now. We're, 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 give me my money. And, 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 and you could find out what happened. His dad reluctantly agreed. I mean, he, re, he, he reluctantly agreed. He did, he, did, uh, he did agree, though, to, to give his son his cut of the, the inheritance, he, he, he gave him his, his trust fund money before he had died. And, you know, that's against better wisdom. That's against tradition. It's against laws, against all these other things. But he gives this stuff to his son. His son goes off and he does what most people who get a whole lot of money fast as young would do. He, he, he blew it. He squandered it away. In my neighborhood, we say he tricked it off. <laughs> right? Found himself in the worst possible physical, spiritual, emotional condition he had ever been in his life. Spent everything he had, and then he came back with his head held low and just wanting to come back to be a part of the family business just as an entry-level employee. Just, just, Dad, just, can you take me back as an entry-level employee? I know I messed up. I've sinned against you and God, and, you know, I've kind of come to myself now. I just want to come back and just give me an entry-level position job. But to his amazement, to my amazement, and to all of our amazement, his dad just, just bring him back at an entry-level position. His dad brought him back and gave him and reinstated him with full, reconciled him and gave him full rights to the family business. Not only did he invite him back to his, to his rightful position with the family uh, business, but he also gave him a seat at the family table. God reconciles all things. Not only did he give him back his position in the family business, not only did he give him his, his, his place back at the family table, but he threw a, a lavish party for him. It would have been something like Jay-Z and Beyonce would throw. You know, we call that lit. It would have been a lit party. And I want you to know, despite your past experiences, pains, shortcomings, that God, that Jesus loves you and, and, and Jesus, he's the solution and he gives second chances. We can experience healthy relations when we follow Jesus in every area of our lives because Jesus gives us second chances. Again, but how do we know we can really trust Jesus? Still, he gives us solutions. He gives us second chances, and he also gives us lasting security. In verse 22 and 23, it lets us know that if we continue to follow Jesus, he will give us security in every area of our life. It comes to your mind when you hear the words that said in that text, holy, blameless, above reproach. Sound kind of 
religious, right? Honestly, it does. Matter of fact, some people may be hearing that and say, I don't even want to be holy and blameless, right? Makes it sound like we're unjustly judging folk, right? But in this text, this is not what Paul is saying. This is not what he suggests. As a matter of fact, Paul is reminding them that this is something that Jesus does and that it's something that they could not do for themselves. He's reminding them this is something that Jesus does on our behalf and that we can't do for ourselves. Paul is simply suggesting to them that if they follow Jesus, that Jesus will give them lasting security. Remember when I told you a little bit earlier about when I was a young guy and I didn't feel like I was hood enough for the ch- I was too hood for the church and I was no longer hood enough for the hood. In those moments in my life, I really didn't feel like I was secure. I was, I was quite insecure, to be honest. I didn't feel confident. I was struggling with my identity. But I'm glad that I didn't have to survive that season of my life alone. That because of his grace and because of his mercy, there was a loving community of faith that supported me. That the word of God encouraged me and that the Holy Ghost comforted me. It was just too difficult for me to get through that alone. And I want you to know that it's too difficult for you to get through that alone as well. Paul is encouraging this church plant from these kinds of anxious thoughts and feelings, despite their past experiences, despite their problems, despite their pains. He wants them to know that because Jesus gives us lasting security, that they can follow him in every area of life. I must admit, this is not easy. But it can be a little bit easier than we think. It all starts with one step at a time, one day at a time, one decision at a time. But I'm not suggesting that it's all about us doing better and being better. I'm not suggesting that by doing that somehow we are in the driver's seat. I'm saying that this is accomplished as we follow Jesus Because not only does Jesus lead us toward righteousness, toward holiness, towards forgiveness, and towards reconciliation, but when we follow Jesus, he's also leading us away from something. Our brokenness, our sins, our paths, our insecurities, our doubts, those moments that you have like I had when I didn't know if it was really worth it to follow Jesus. I'm just about out of time. I'm going to close with this story. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, it's about a, a lady who lived in uh, a rural area. We'll call her Miss LMA. Go little mountainous rural area. She was recently widowed, and their community had recently been connected to uh, the power grid for, that the rest of the town, local town, was connected to. And there's a young guy. Um, who knew that this family, this recently widowed woman, didn't have electricity in the house, and there were some grants that was available that they would connect them to the electricity, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't cost them anything for them to be connected. So we went over there, and, and he convinced her. She reluctantly agreed to allow him to connect her home to the electricity. He did a great thing, and he was thinking, man, okay, as he monitored her activity from his computer at work, he realized he wasn't seeing any activity, so he, he goes back out there. 
And he says, Miss Ellen May, is everything okay? She said, yes, baby, everything's fine. He said, well, I've noticed that you're not using much power. I'm just making sure everything's working okay. He said, yes, baby, everything's working okay. Every night, just before it gets dark, I turn on the lights long enough to light the candles. <laughs> See, here this woman had been connected to the source. But her life wasn't really changed. Wasn't really affected. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to remind you that you have been connected to the source. Wow. I'm going to ask you, how much has your life been affected? you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to suggest to you today that if you connect to the source that the God of all creation who reconciles all things back to himself can radically transform your life and your heart. He can reconcile you back into a right relationship with him and that will automatically well it can automatically help you reconcile relationships that you have with one another. I wish I had 10 people in this room. Just 10. That's connected to the power source. That know that Jesus is the solution. And they're experiencing his, his work and transforming their lives and transforming their families. If it's just 10 that will stand with me, just 10. Is it 10 in the room that can stand that says they know Jesus is the solution? Is it 10 people? And I just want to know if it's 10 of you. I just need 10. Amen. How about, how about 10 more that will stand that know that Jesus gives second chances? Yeah. You were divorced and now you're remarried and you're happy. The doctor gave you a bad report and now you're experiencing healing. If it's people who know that it's Jesus that gives real security. Jesus is going to give you what your education can never give you, what your career could never give you, what relationships could never give you. It is Jesus. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would help us today. Help us see how it is you that reconciles all things, all of creation, all people. First, back to you by what Christ accomplished on the cross by the redeeming work of Jesus, but you also, through that work, reconciles all people back together in your name and for your glory. Help us experience that today as a family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.